Hello and welcome to Bible Marathon. We're all about learning how to read the Bible, about spiritual gifts and giving proper defense and explanation for what we believe as Christians. The goal is to progress with joy in the faith and without further ado, let's get into the word. How y'all doing? How's everybody doing? I'm seeing some new faces here not new to me but new here so i want to welcome you guys so good to have you around and um i think i want to just talk a little bit about what victoria said i we don't talk enough about this but your testimonies are very powerful if there is something god has done for you you know talk about it talk about it i wrote an exam and it was a really hard one, something I've been hoping to God to really do well in. Um, some people know the struggle I've been through for that exam on this score here. And can you guys hear me? Okay. Yes. Yes. And, and it was a huge, huge thing when I found out that I passed. Like, it was like, wow, so excited. And what did I do? Started telling everybody, you know, started texting you know, like I passed and, and everybody was like, congratulations. Guess what I did next? Went on, um, you know, WhatsApp, posted, thank you, Lord, or something like that. Like, I mean, that's the natural response for something that nice, right? And that's something that I'm grateful to God for. But, hey, if I didn't, uh, if I, you knew I was writing the exam now. I knew you were writing, but you didn't tell me you passed. Okay, it's, it's okay, I passed. I'm just happy. Hey, battery's dead. Oh no. Okay, you, you know what? We're gonna go old school. I'm just, just gonna use this camera. Hope it's not too bad. Can you guys still see me? Hold on. Yes, you guys manage like this. It's still good, right? Yes, it's manageable. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. I'll just make sure that the battery is charging. One second. I, I I'm a sucker for excellence. If you know me, so one second. All right. While you're doing, while you're waiting, I want you to open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 from verse 1. We're reading from verse 1 to verse 3. Colossians 3, 1 to 3. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, thank you for con congratulations. And for anyone who is about to take an exam, God's favor is coming your way, all right? We're going to see God's favor like, like never before. I, I think I saw God's favor in this exam. It was just strange. Like, it's a tough exam. The pass mark was 75. And I decided, no, I want to tell you that I know what I'm doing. So I went all the way really high. Um, I'm just grateful. Like, I know how long I worked for that. Um, so, yeah. Okay. You can see, you can tell that I'm excited. I'm talking about it, right? It's too obvious. Uh, let me say hi to some people on 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 Mixlr. Thank you, Grace. I appreciate it. So Grace is here. Hi, Grace. Victoria Olubi, I've missed you. It's been a while, but it's good to have you around. And then Ololade, great to have you here again. And then I'll say hi to um, Ibukun. Hi, Ibukun. Hi, Pearl. Is this the first time I'm seeing you this year? Seems like it. It might be. Good to have you here. Um, Emma is here, Mo, Cynthia, Lillian, Ife, Blossom, Victoria again, 
praise and if you guys can turn on your videos that would be awesome banker hi banker hi boom you know that thing where you're calling names and you're like if i do mention somebody's name ah from and uh um, bolu and i'll leave the i'll leave the two daras for last hi dara hi dara you know the one that is last all right okay let's let's get into the scripture that we have right now it's colossians chapter 3 i'm going to share my screen and after this um i'm going to give you an assignment i know it's funny but i want to give you an assignment um to start with so i want you to look at the text very carefully we're going to read it together we want to let the word of god warm our hearts uh, let's let the word of god warm our hearts a little bit i don't know if you ever read the bible and you're just like Go talk to me. Uh, this is what I want you to. That's the ability to have when you read this. We're reading Colossians chapter three, from verse one to verse four. All right. So read along with me wherever you are, but pay close attention to the words. Paul says, "If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is." Sitting at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. You died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Man, you know, sometimes they say, may the Lord bless the written word. I feel like this word is blessing us. And if you really understand what we just read, it's powerful. He's telling you, first of all, if you are raised with Christ, if it really happened that something changed your life, that God raised you up, just like he raised Jesus from the dead, he raised you up with him. And he says, this is how you should behave. This is how you should live. Seek those things which are above. Ha ha. So what does this look like practically? And I think one of the things that we need to start learning when it comes to meditation, knowing God's word, is putting these things to practice. So here's the homework. Are we ready for it? Nobody's excited. People don't like homework. You remember in secondary school? No. What's in secondary school or university? I don't know if you did this in outside of Nigeria, but, you know, there'll be like a sheet of paper. You had to just boom. <laughs> right, some people who went to school here, yeah, too too. They don't they don't shock you with tests. They will tell you like three weeks ahead. You'll be preparing. A university in Nigeria, they will <laughs> you have to be ready at all times. So here's the assignment. Um, I'm gonna put it on the screen just because I want it to be very clear. And something I've called the on Jesus challenge. On Jesus Challenge. Let me share my screen. Hopefully it shows well. I didn't show the date. Um, but I'll go ahead and share the screen either way. Please know that it was supposed to say January. Can you see my screen? So the on Jesus challenge, that's the month we're in, right? But what does this really mean? This is basically our attempt to say, hey, we're not just coming to BMG meetings on Sunday, on Friday, 
on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and we're really not internalizing the theme of the month or the meaning of what we're doing here. So what is this challenge? It's very simple. You're going to do one thing. Listen carefully, please don't ask me later again. You're going to do one thing, one particular thing. Don't go beyond one thing. Now, if you already have your own personal things you do, you know, that align with what I'm about to say, that's fine. But this one is unique to this. Pick one thing that you will do this week, every single day of the week to make Jesus the focus. All right. So it's literally something you're going to do every day that will make it clear that, ah, this thing about Jesus is important to me. So I'll give you some ideas, but I don't want to limit you. Um, but I want you to take a pen or something and note it down. If you have your phone, put in your notes, just something specific that you're going to do. So if it is, I'm going to pray for this amount of time. And most of that prayer would be on meditating on who Jesus is. That's one thing. So you already should be praying every day. Amen. I hope you do that. But if you don't change that, right, we're, we're here to love you and guide you the right way. Okay. If it says write a personal letter to him, like a friend, beautiful. So you can have like a journal. It's so creative. Ah, if uh, the person that is going to marry you. Hmm. <laughs> All right. Um, so, you know, writing, that's a good idea. Write a personal letter. So you can have like a book Monday to Friday. You just journal and write a letter to Jesus. Now, please, we've talked about some things here in BMG. Jesus, don't talk to Jesus like your boyfriend. All right. There is a biblical way to honor and love him. And um, I'll leave you to do that. So it could be, I have some things here. It could be memorize a text about Jesus every day. So just go to the scriptures every day. You can be like, I want, to make, I want to memorize this verse, you know, that talks about Jesus. And you can start with Google. Like, give me verses about Jesus. Think, find one that sounds really good. Meditate on it. Memorize it. Think through it. Right. So I want to give you some time, maybe like one minute to figure out what you want to do. Be creative, but make sure the focus is Jesus. You're prioritizing Jesus. All right. It could be, I'll talk to one new person on IG about my faith. So you're already on IG. You are scrolling those nice Ashwabi and all of those pictures. And, but like, okay, add this one to it that I would reach out to one person who posted something very nice or creative and say, ah, I like what you posted. You know, what do you do? I'm interested to learn. And then you switch it up. Are you a person of faith? What does that look like? You know, have you, what's your, you know, what do you feel about Jesus? And it doesn't have to, because some people put the burden of salvation on their shoulders. That's not what he did. He didn't say go out and save all men. He said go out and preach the gospel to all nations. So do your part. Trust God to do the rest. It could also be um, cutting out. This is just if you are if you're very creative like that, you can do that. But you can cut out. Um, never mind. I take that back. That's like it's not well. Let me just let you guys figure it out. I'm talking too much. So anything that you really want to do that will prioritize Jesus this week. We're starting on the 23rd, which is tomorrow, we're ending on the 29th. So by the time we come back here on Sunday, 
We're talking about what did we do? How did it impact us? What change have we? So if it's, if it's, oh, I memorized five or six or seven verses about Jesus and I want to do it. And we just give you the floor because I really want us to make Jesus the center. And I think if, when we do something like this and you practice it and you see the value of it, you can incorporate it into your life. You know, you know, it could be singing or learning new songs about Jesus every single day or a hymn. I mean, you can go all out, but please, whatever it is, make sure it's one thing, note it down, keep tabs on it because we're going to ask, what was it? How did you do with it? All right. Any questions? Just to be sure that everyone got the challenge. Okay. I'm writing evangelism script. I love that. So one script per day. That's good. Please, whatever it is must happen every day and it must be repeatable. So whatever you are doing day one should be similar to the same thing you are doing in day two. It may not be the exact same. For example, if you are memorizing scripture, don't memorize the same verse, you know, but the same thing. All right. Do we need more time? If you have written what you want to do, let me see your hand up. Okay, good. I see Mo, Dara, Dara again. Who else? Emma. Okay, I'll give you some more time. Vicky. Okay. Any questions? Any questions? All right. So I will believe based on this that we don't have any questions. So um, we're going to pray for this challenge as well as what we're about to study today. So let's pray with me. Father, thank you so much for the privilege to gather as friends from different churches, from different backgrounds um, to a place like this where we call community, where we can feast on your word, learn of you. Lord, you've called us to live a life that pleases you, that seeks for you. And we read just now in your text that if we then are risen truly with Christ, we should seek those things which are above where Christ seated at the right hand of God. And when Christ who is our life shall appear, we will appear with him. That's our testimony. We will be with him. But when, while we wait, Lord, help us to live lives that put you first, that prioritize you, that place you as the core of our being our purpose in life. Pray for everyone who's going to participate in this challenge, that this challenge will transform us from within. It will, it will take away things that are not of God and replace those things with good, healthy habits that make Jesus our true goal. And Lord, as I teach today, I leave the way for you to teach, to guide us into all truth, to lead us even as we learn of this precious gift, your only begotten son. Help us to, to revere him, honor him, love him, and live for him. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. All right. And that was a, a very, very odd way to start. Normally the assignment comes at the end of the class, but I feel like um, let's you know, put that out of the way. I'm seeing a few more people that joined in. Hi, Shella. Hi, um, Josephine. 
and anybody that I might forget to recognize, Jessica, hi. And then we have a few more people on Twitter. All right, are we ready? Are we ready? We have a lot of things to discuss today. Um, and this teaching may go a little doctrinal. When I say doctrinal, I mean, we always teach doctrine, but I mean, we may, we'll be hammering on some things that I feel are so important for us to know when it comes to the person and work of Jesus Christ. Um, last week, we spent some time just realizing that the basics are not unimportant, right? Some of you got to know for the first time that I had to learn how to write a second time, right? You know, taking a 2B book, writing again. And now I'm an excellent writer because I was able to humble myself under the mighty hand of God, you know, and get a 2, is it 2D or 2B? I've forgotten the name of the book. And start writing from the scratch. And my point there was to say, the basics are important. They're not irrelevant. They might be basic, but you always use them every single day. ABCs are still used today, no matter how high you go in life, you still write A, B, C, D somehow. And so because the basics are important, we will hammer on them until they are second nature to us. And I mentioned that a lot of people have very wrong ideas of Jesus. You know, we looked at Scientology, what they think that is an implant. We looked at, you know, <laughs> very weird things. I, I can't even tell you some of the things I saw while you know looking and preparing for last last week's sermon and i was like wow like if you want to go all out and explore in this world you will get many things you know and then apart from the fact that jesus was known as certain things or was called something on views you know world views they also believe some strange things about jesus like ah if in fact i i'll give you this test go on google right now ah, you, to distract you and type who was jesus's wife and you get answers i'm not joking you get answers they tell you mary mad uh, mad of magdala that's magdalene they'll tell you um, one woman that was not mentioned you know how many kids did jesus have you will see it like so what what is truth that's where you come back to like what is truth when it comes to the topic of jesus there will be opinions, but amongst those opinions, there has to be truth. Truth must stand out. And I said, we need to know the truth. If we say we are Christians, we cannot just say we know Jesus, you know, we love him. We lift our hands every Sunday to him, but you cannot explain who he is. Do you really know him if you can't? Is he just a figment of your imagination? Is he just that person that pacifies you in the night when, when you know, it's dark and you don't like sleeping in the dark? And you're like, ah, Jesus, just comfort me. You know, some people even think Jesus is this. Um, I heard someone, I went to a meeting one time, and the lady was like, oh, I just love Jesus so much. She was white. Um, no offense to any white person. But, um, she's like, um, I just love Jesus so much. He's so, he's so nice. Like, he tells me what to eat. He tells me where to, where to, what to wear today and tomorrow. And I was like, oh, that's so nice. But that's not what Jesus does. Um, and am I invalidating her experience? I'm not. I'm just re re realigning the focus. Like, I know, I know people have said, oh, the Holy Spirit tells me what to wear, travel. But that is ministry. 
Is that what the Bible tells us that he's supposed to do? The Spirit is supposed to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And the Holy Spirit is supposed to reaffirm you, like to assure you of your salvation and all that he has granted you in Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit is primarily supposed to do. So if you tell me he's teaching you recipes for cooking, I will not fight you. But is that the core of his ministry? So when it comes to Jesus, you have to know who he is. Why is he who he says he is? And even beyond that, you should have a, a very strong, I'm going to use it, your word, because I already prepared you guys that this would go a little doctrinal. You have to have a strong Christology, right? So the word is Christ and then ology. If you were here last year, you're probably wondering, it's like BMG is following syllabus. So because we talked about Christology in January last year, absolutely. If you figure that, if you didn't figure it out, I just gave you the, the clue that we are basically following a syllabus through the year um, to make sure that we cover the most important things we need to know. But it's never going to be the same, as you can see already. All right, so Christology is basically the study of Christ, knowing who he is. It's a, it's a branch of theology. But beyond the branch of theology, the textbook, it's something you need to have. I was on Clubhouse some days back. I'm, I tend to be there almost every week now. I just go like, what, is, what are people saying? And then you just hear a room, you know, um, one room is about the Trinity, and that one is Jesus is not God. Come and discuss. You go to another one. Um, Jesus has a family. You see that like different people have their rooms. Come and they're just trying to look for trouble. And you hear opinions. And I'm like, hmm, interesting. You know? And one thing that I'm always looking out for, one thing I always find out is that there will be that one Christian who doesn't know ah, it's painful. It's very painful. Like, they don't know anything about their faith. And so when they stand up on that place to speak, people are, you know, responding, saying their own things, and basically attacking the person of Jesus. But they don't know what to say. And so what happens to every other Christian listening? They feel like, oh, my God, this person has a point. But because they don't have a solid rebuttal, it's like... They've lost the, 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 the conversation. Who uh, gets what I'm saying? You, sometimes you're just like, ah, this, someone should be able to talk this point. Like you, so you may even be thinking of the points. You're trying to see if they can add you to the stage so you can talk, but there's a cue. Sometimes I've always did that. I think there was a time I was with um, Dara on, um, I was on Clubhouse. I was telling her, I was like, ah, I'm on this Clubhouse. And then I went up on the stage and I was asking questions and before they were attacking everyone, but this one is ah, this guy knows this thing. Let me <laughs> let's calm down. They were asking, and I was giving them questions, I was testing them, and we need to be like that. You don't have to be a pastor to know who Jesus is. So it's challenge. I want you to if I ask you anything about Jesus, if I tell you anything that is contrary to who he is, you should be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. Because guess what? Whatever you believe about Jesus is so important because your eternity depends on it. That's a big deal. Your eternity depends on your Christology. 
is Jesus just a regular prophet, a man that was born of a woman, created by God, you know, to just come and preach good tidings and do really nice miracles and die and then go back? Is, is that who he is? Or is he the Christ, son of the living God, who came, ascend, descended from heaven, from the Father, and ascended back to heaven where he, whence he came? Like, I know I'm going into the teaching, but it's, it's so important that you have this mindset that by the end of this thing we're doing, I should not live here saying I don't know this about Jesus. If, if you say you're a Christian, and Christianity basically is derived from the word Christ, and you don't know Christ, voila, <laughs> that's a big deal. So are we ready to just like build our knowledge on who Jesus is. And to know who Jesus is, you really need to know who he's not and be able to prove that from the scriptures that he's not that. We talked last week about Jesus being the son of God. We talked about Jesus being the Christ, but we didn't really delve into that. So I'll talk a little bit about that. When we say the Christ, who can tell me what the word Christ means? You know, I, I spoke with someone one day and they said, Jesus Christ, Jesus is the first name christ is the last name so we will still think that so let's correct that notion okay i'm seeing some answers beautiful so the anointed one messiah is still big english simplify what does anointed one mean simplify it like this is baby class we are doing going back to the basics what does it mean when we say jesus christ or jesus the christ you can unmute yourself you can type whatever word I mean, the Redeemer, the promised Redeemer from, you know, um, Genesis for the Jewish people. Okay, good. I love that. I, I love that clarification. So when you say Christ, you are talking about a chosen, a particular person who was chosen by God to bring salvation to the world or to a people group. So when we say um, and, and the word Christ is literally um, the, should I say, the Greek form of Messiah, which would be the Hebrew form of that same idea. So Jesus is the Messiah. Messiah means a promised king who was supposed to come and redeem the people of Israel from their slavery, from their from destruction, basically. And when you go back, and this is important, when you go back to the Bible, to, when you open the Bible, what do you notice? You notice that the Bible is very, ah, let me not use this word because you get the wrong idea. I was going to say it, it may sound racist. And I'll explain what I mean. You open the Bible and it's like, every other nation doesn't exist. Have you ever wondered, like, the Bible is so focused on these people group that you're like, uh, why are they the ones so talked about here? You open Genesis, you know, okay, God is creating the world. Nice. The world, right? Adam, Eve, it's supposed to be like everybody, but the next thing you know is Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Like, where is everybody else, right? So you see debates coming up, like, you know, people asking about Cain, who is his wife, all these random things. 
and you're like, I can't answer those questions. You know why you can't answer them? Because the Bible is not designed, was not written, was not intended to answer those questions. I'm serious. Because the Bible is, I'm live, but I hope you get what I'm saying. Racist. <laughs> and and let, me, let me now qualify that so you don't get the wrong idea. What I mean is that the Bible was so centered on a particular group of people. Question, why did God you know, focus, why did God focus so much on these people called the Israelites? Who can tell me? Why was the focus so like you everything? David, all these people that you are saying, ah, my people, David, you know, Samson, um, all these great guys. Okay, tell me, Vicky. Okay, uh, so the Bible focuses on the Jews because God has a, had a plan for the entire mankind and it was going to actualize that plan through the Jews. So the Bible was literally, is literally a story of how God brought about his plan that he has for mankind. So it's that, yeah. Yeah, I think that's what Mo was going to say because you're smiling too. You want to add more? Go ahead. I learned this recently that um, because of the promise that God gave Abraham, Right, it affected all the other people, right? Mm. Him and his lineage. So I think that's why it was mainly focused on the Jews, right? Beautiful. But also true faith too, it affected the whole world, right? Nice. Really nice. You people are very ah, you guys are a smart bunch. I love you. So so now here's the thing. What did we notice in Genesis that was the problem? From the start, the problem, you know, when you watch a show, you're always waiting for that turning point right so everybody's family is nice for example there's a show now um that i'm really into and you may be like why is pastor Ernest into it because i grew up as a gamer and one of the games i played was called the last of us and it's basically a love story between a man if a man who lost his daughter and then has to protect another girl and at first they are in they don't like each other over time, he becomes like a father to her, and then there's a bond that grows. Well, all of this is happening in a post-apocalyptic world. So you're like, oh, what's going on? So like there are zombies and all that, but the story is not about the zombies. Now, when you watch that kind of show, I've played the game, so I know how the story goes. But I was watching the show, and guess what was on my mind? When things went wrong. Like I was waiting for that moment where things went wrong. If you watch a show or a movie, and everything is just going well. The end. <laughs> You're going to be like, are you sure? like, I just wasted my money. Because every story, think of it, Avengers, what happened? Thanos, um, Spider-Man, Green Goblin. Like, you, you get, it's just, it's just a thing about a moment in a story where things fall apart. And the whole storyline is restoration, right? That's like... That's what makes a movie beautiful. Like, how does it end? Okay, Spider-Man 1, Superman, you know, like that's kind of like where the story is. Or if it's just a, you know, Korean drama and it starts with these two people, they are so awkward, they don't love each other at first. You know that they are rooting for that Korean movie to end with both of them getting married. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You're like, I'm just waiting for it to happen. But everything is just going against it. One brother, one person, but at the end love right so that's that's one thing you need to realize the bible is a book and it's a book that is created <laughs> waiting for them to hold hands 
is curated in such a way as to tell a story and not just any story, but the true story of man's reality. That from the very beginning, God created a perfect world. Man sinned and that's where everything goes down. So what does God start doing by his own initiative? We messed up, but he wants to fix the problem. So what does he do? You people have answered it. He chooses a person. If you wanted to fix something, he would do the same, right? So he chooses a person who is called Abraham. Give, he gave him a promise. And Abraham believed. He's like, perfect. I'm going to work with this guy because he believes my plan. And that's the whole story of the Bible. Abraham has Isaac. Isaac has Jacob. Who is Jacob's name changed to? I'm giving you like Bible. Israel. Israel. Guess what? Israel is the Jews. The, 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 um, sorry, who we call Judaizers or the Jews, the people of God, the Israelites, right? So that's it. It's not like the Bible is avoiding the rest of the world, but the Bible is a story about a particular plan of God that is unveiled over time. And it has to flow that way. So when you read the Bible and you see a lot of Israel and all of that happening, it's because of something particular that God wants to do. And you already know the story, right? God goes through men and their impossibilities and their, their failings and their weaknesses and just keeps going through to make sure that his plan is fulfilled. And what is his plan? You said it already. God wants to save the world. He wants to fix everything but he needs somebody to do it. And we're going to look at the substitutionary part of this because this is very core to knowing why Jesus, because that's really what today is about. Um, why Jesus? Why is it Jesus? Why not any other way? Praise God. All right, so let me do a little bit of definition. All right, and then we'll just move forward from there. How much time do I have? Beautiful. Ah. It's going to be cool. Really good. All right. So write down this word. Solos. It's in the flyer, right? So you've seen it before, but you've probably not thought about it. Now, some of you might know it because we've discussed this, but I want to just go further and explain what this is. So Solos Christos. Am I still sharing my screen? No. Good. Okay. Solos Christos. What does that mean? It simply means... Christ alone or Christ only. Now, where did this come from? Did we make it up? Let me take you back in time. Now, long after God had done his work and saved mankind and Jesus ascended, right? And then, you know, gave them the ministry to go preach the gospel to all the nations. They left, they started from the people of Israel, spread out to the Gentiles, amen. They got to us. We heard the message. Everything is going fine. The church is expanding. You read the book of Acts. What do you see happen next? Factions. What do I mean by factions? People groups trying to reinterpret things that God has said, trying to create their own groups of belief systems that sometimes goes against what God has instructed from scriptures. And so over time, a lot of groups came out of it. One of those things or one of those groups that came out is what I would call, and many of you, please listen carefully. This is not, I'm not bashing anyone. 
but I'm trying to just show you a lot of things that have happened so that you're one, because some of you are, don't know how you are, the kind of Christian you are. Why are you not this or that kind of Christian? Why are you this kind of Christian? So I'm just trying to show that to you. The Roman Catholic Church, all right, came about. And the Roman Catholic Church has a lot of beliefs that um, happen to go against scripture. And at a time in history, because the Roman Catholic Church was making a lot of money from people, right? Telling them that you have to pay indulgences to be forgiven. So think about it. Mo comes to me, I'm a, I'm a priest, right? And you say, oh, Father, I've sinned. I've done this, this, this. At the time in history, you'd say, oh, here's how much you pay for this sin. Now, some of you are like, ah, really? Yes, it did happen. People were paying penance or beating themselves. When they do something wrong, they will beat themselves or do something or pay with themselves. And so right in that community, in that place, were people who had access to the scriptures. Now, the reason this went very long and why, you know, the Roman Catholic Church grew to now have traditions and other writings and all of that is because they left the scriptures for the most part. And what eventually happened was there was something called the Protestant movement. People who, in a sense, literally from the word, they protested that idea. All right, are you following? And this is, this is rushed history. Some people may be like, I missed this, I missed that. But I'm trying to summarize a whole lot of church history in a few moments to let you see how we got this movement. And so it would come against a lot of the things and the practices of the Catholic Church, saying you're not supposed to pay. And then also the Catholic Church was teaching, you don't just get saved by believing in Jesus. You also have to live a certain way to be saved. And so they were like, ah, this gets it too much. So what the Protestants do, which is what they call the Reformation, is fought against this. Different people at different times. Martin Luther King, uh, not Martin Luther King, sorry. Martin Luther, all right, in a French guy way back, um, 15th century, I think. Is it French? Is it French? Char European. Okay. And he comes on the scene and is goes again. He was a Catholic himself, a Roman Catholic, and then he hears about the teachings and everything and reads the Bible himself, which was something unique. It was special. The Bible was only the people that had access to the Bible were the the um what's it called? The clergy, not the late, not everybody else. The clergy were the ones that could read because it was, you know, in a language that other people could not understand. So they had autonomy on their interpretation and they just told people what to do. Because you come to church and how he hears lacrimos, ale pronetos, and they don't read in Latin. You don't understand what they are saying. Please explain to us. They tell you money that you are supposed to give for this particular thing. You know? Someone says it's quite low. Sorry, I'm just checking. Oh, is the volume quite low? Let me boost it. All right. I think it's better now. All right. So they'll just come and be giving you some things because, I mean, they're doing ones that can interpret the scriptures. But Martin Luther was reading one day and he's like, uh-uh. This Bible is teaching me in Romans that it's by grace through faith. It's not of works. You know, what's going on? 
So after reading and studying, God opened his eyes to see that a lot of these things, these practices were wrong. And so he comes out one day doing something very scary and, you know, really almost cost his life. He nailed something called the 95 Thesis on the door of the Catholic Church to say, hey, you guys are teaching rubbish. Come and read what the Bible actually says. And so he had like, the thesis just had a lot of statements. And you can research on this and see all the things that it said. But it was a summary of romance. Like it's by faith. God gives you his grace. You don't work for it. You know, it's Jesus alone and all of that. So at the end of the day, one thing came as the agreement. The agreement of the Protestants was there are five things you must believe to say you are truly Christian. Are you ready for those five? You already know, some of you will know them, but it's called the five solars, all right? The five solars, which is five, the five onlys of the Christian faith. What are they? Let me even test you guys. We have done this before, but if you know it, put it in the chat. Put it in the chat. <coughs> all right. Yeah, more. So by grace alone, so that is sola gratia, S-O-L-A space gratia, G-R-A-T-I-A. All right. All right. I see um, by faith alone, that's sola fide, S-O-L-A space F-I-D. All right. Sola scriptura. Thank you. That's S-O-L is spelled out there, but it means scripture alone. More said through Christ alone, beautiful. That is what solo scriptures, that's what we're talking about today. And then sola, I'm surprised nobody, okay, good. Soli Dio Gloria, perfect. To the glory of God alone. So let me spell it out to you. And I'm going to show you that they got this from the scriptures because some of you might be thinking, okay, why should we believe in, okay, someone is like reboot camp vibes. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> but think about it. You might be like, where did they get this thing from? Because for me, I don't want to be someone who just hears a term and just goes with it without seeing it in scripture, right? Do you want, do you, I hope you are like that. Somebody comes to you and teaches you something. Where is it in the Bible? That's, that should be your response. So when I saw this first, that was my first response. And then I realized it's actually from scripture. Do you know where it is? Let me show you. And um, I think it's a very powerful reference. For those of us who come on Fridays for our Bible studies, you already know this text. All right. So you have a little echo, but I'm going to share my screen now. It's Romans chapter five from verse one to two. Romans five, one to two. Already. So we're going to pick out the five solas from here as we read this. Romans 2, I'm going to read it first and then we'll go back and pick it. So Romans 5, 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So how many of you see where they got the solace? Let's break it down. The first one. Therefore, being justified by faith. So they got justified not by works, not by anything else, but by what? Faith. That is sola fide. And he says, we have peace with God. 
Through who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. How do you have peace with God? Is it by your family? Is it by your hard work? The only reason you have peace with God is because of Christ. So it has to be him alone. That's so Christus. Through whom also you have access by faith. So you see faith being repeated. But into what? This grace. So it is grace alone. And you can see the, op- the opposite. So um, the Catholic Church, notice that so far, the Catholic Church was saying plus something. So they would say, you're saved by faith, but you're also saved plus works. So faith plus works, that's how you're saved. And all these things can be verified. You can go back in, in the official, not all Roman Catholics today believe this, so, which is something I found, and I don't group everyone under that. The official Roman Catholic statement that the Pope agrees with says, no one can be justified only by faith or by works. You have to be justified by works as well. So that means there are certain sacraments you must participate in. There are things you must do. Otherwise, you are cut off. All right? So that's, that's very damnable. But then the protestant said, no. The Bible is clear. You are justified by faith alone. God does not make you right because of the good things you do. God sees you as you are. And by your faith in his son, he declares you righteous. Amen? That's a powerful thing. Then he says, we have peace to, with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not through God and uh, not, not through Jesus plus Mary. I, I know it's funny, but um, now, nah, and, and I'll be very careful here, but, you know, a, a lot of uh, Roman Catholics don't know, maybe they don't even know how far back this goes, but there are a lot of things that are very interesting. For example, when they think about Mary, remember the scripture, uh, you know, when the angel appeared to her and said, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. So Mary is, because of that statement, Mary is very special. So they venerate her for many reasons, but some of the few reasons they really venerate her a lot. For one, she's Jesus's mom, right? It's like, ah. That bond between a mom and a son. So if I cannot Jesus, who they hugely respect, I can talk to Mary and Mary can pray for us. So there's a actually a prayer that says, pray for us. They tell Mary to pray for them. All right. We're going to talk about why I think it's wrong. But I just want to show you some of the things they hold to. Solus Christus means that through the atoning work of Jesus Christ alone, apart from works, that's what it means, and that Christ is the only mediator between God and man. Only Christ. Not Christ plus someone. So the moment you add a saint, or you add any other person to Jesus, no longer solus Christus, it's no longer the way to be saved. It's in Jesus alone. And by extension, salvation cannot be obtained without Christ. It's that simple. All right. And then you can't extend the grace, you know. So let me let me just mention some things that I have here. Very important. So 
because I'm talking about this, I feel like I should just explain this because, you know, if you interact with um, Roman, it's going to let them know that a lot of things are wrong and there are some reasons why. And the reason I'm even hammering on this is because we're talking about Solus Christus, Jesus alone, with the exception of any, of any other person. We're removing everyone. Our faith in Jesus Christ alone. We're not trusting anyone else for anything else. All right. So, because they believe Mary was the highly favored one of God, so she was very special, right? So, why is this a problem? The Bible teaches opposite. The opposite of that. It says we're all royal, we're royal priests, the holy nation. In God's eyes, we all we're, we're equally in standing with God as Mary is. Does that sound weird? But it, I mean, it's important to get this. Mary, you know, is a very wonderful person. She's blessed. She had the great opportunity to bear the one who gives life. So for that reason alone, she should be honored and you thank God for her. But guess what? She was a servant. She was a vessel. So we should not venerate her higher than we would you know, other people at that level who were servants of God as well. Very, very important. And by the way, did you know that Mary was also in the upper room because she was a disciple of Jesus? She eventually, like, you know, Hannah, uh, sons, other sons that she had with Joseph, you know, also believed in Christ when they saw, ah, this guy rose from the dead. So she was there. She spoke in tongues, you know. So maybe Catholics should reconsider Dong's gift, you know, um, that she was actually there in the upper room when the Holy Spirit fell. Now, another idea is that because she was earthly mother of Jesus, people think that she has a special way into the heart of Jesus. Well, yes, some do. Some, some, sorry, I'm responding to Mo's question. Yeah, some Catholics pray in tongues. I think those are the ones that understand you know, a little better. That's why I said I don't group everyone under the same. Um, you know, group. So people think that because Mary was the earthly mother of Jesus, she has a special way into the heart of, of, of Jesus that others don't. But the issue with this is something in Matthew. Let me show you this text. Matthew 12, 48. Let's start from verse, um, verse 46. All right. Are we still here? All right, cool. So Matthew 12, 46. While he was still talking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and brother stood outside seeking to speak with him. So imagine this. Jesus is there, influential, powerful, teaching the word. He's in a room. And then, uh, you know, the disciples come and tell him, ah, sir, rabbi, mommy is outside. Now, if Jesus really, really honors her the way these people do, what should we see? Well, let's see what the story says. Then one said to him, look, your mom and your brothers are standing outside. He's thinking to speak with you. Verse 48. But answered and said, to one told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Ah, you know, this is serial. Like, my mommy died. Like, my mom is outside. I'm teaching BMG now. And somebody comes to me and says, Ah, Ernest, your mom is outside. Now, 
I will all know how. I'm just telling you that I'll say, ah, my mom is here. One second, guys. I'll go. But imagine Jesus hearing his mom and his brothers are there and he says, who, who is my mother? Who is my brother? That's very offensive. But he was trying to make a point because what did he do? Verse 49. And he stretched out his hands towards the disciples. Here, look, these people here that are listening to my words, that are believing on me, that are hearing my words and believing them and doing them. These are my mothers and brothers. What is Jesus saying here? He's exalting the place of those who hear him and believe him over anyone else that is connected, you know, by blood or whatever. So that's very significant. And that's a powerful statement. Now, they'll come back and tell you, well, you know, about the wedding at the Feast of Cana, right? What happened there? It was not Jesus' time to do any miracle, but Mary came and asked him, like, ah, you know, there's no wine. And then Jesus said, ah, my hour is not yet come. And then what did Mary do? She said, well, please, anything that I tell you to do, do. Just do it. I know that it's special. And she had seen all these things. She knew. She, I mean, she saw the angel when he was growing up. Saw how much wisdom he had teaching at the temple, you know, with these people. So he knew this was a special kid. She had every sign to believe that. So she knew, ah, this guy will do something. And you see, because Jesus wanted to glorify God, not because he wanted to please his mother, he does that. But they've taken that scripture to teach Mary has a way into Jesus' heart that nobody else does. So we pray to Mary. My question is, why not just pray to Jesus directly? The Bible is very clear that Jesus is the mediator between God and man. And a, a mediator is someone that can that qualifies to stand between God and man. That tells you something about who Jesus has to be. If God, if Jesus Christ is going to be mediator, first of all, he has to be guiltless. Agreed? Because if you are guilty before God and God is perfectly holy, the mediator has to be somebody that is on, his good, on God's good side. So Jesus is on God's good side. Not only is he on God's good side, any man that is on the earth, born of a woman, is already in sin. So if Jesus was born just like that, as a normal human being, you know, man and woman slept together, they had Jesus, and he's supposed to be the savior. Well, he'll be corrupted by the same thing we're all corrupted by. So Jesus could not have just been man. He also had to be deity. Praise God. So he's right there in the middle. And, you know, and they also believe that, you know, Jesus was immaculately conceived, which means that, you know, in fact, this is how they say it. Mary, in fact, they think Mary is very interesting. In Go and do some research. Some of you who have a Catholic background might know this. They believe, some Catholics believe Mary herself, like, ah, for you to be the one that bears Jesus, so, you yourself have to have had immaculate conception. In fact, there's a statement by some of their leaders that Mary was filled by, with divine grace from the time of her conception. I'm going to read something here. Thomas Aquinas and St. Bonaventure believe that Mary was completely free from sin. Are you hearing this? But that she was not given this grace at the instant of her conception. So they believe that she was, um, what's it called? <coughs> Without sin. 
So in other words, equating Jesus and Mary on that pedestal, that's a problem. I don't know if you see how, how subtle the devil can be. Because at that point now, you're just venerating a woman who right now is just believe, enjoying the presence of God. She's not thinking about you like, oh, ah, Dara is asking me, ah, should I be going to ask Jesus? No, like, I don't know what we, but, you know, it's, it's a problem, but we need, to, we need to stand very firmly on what is true. So from what I've said, I only showed you what is wrong so that you can reaffirm what is right. Jesus is the only way. Amen? He's the mediator. You don't need any other stance. He doesn't need to hear from his mother to, to answer your prayers. He's perfectly fine. He hears all things. He felt he had to come in the flesh, felt everything you feel. So he knows how to handle all your situations. He's going to guide you through it. Praise God. So there's another belief. And I, I just want you to just know this just for the sake of now. I won't go into it too much. But based on the fact that, you know, science, you know, caught up with it and they realized, oh, wow, um, you know, we get genetic materials from our parents. So they had to change some of their beliefs because, you know, they couldn't sustain the Mary's Immaculate Conception. They couldn't sustain it. So they started looking for all the other things they could do. One thing that came later was something called the, ah, forgotten this term, but it was the eternal virginity of someone might know what i'm talking about maybe if you know the exact way they phrase it you can put it in the chat but the idea that mary was a virgin throughout so she never really um you know yeah perpetual virgin there's a there's a there's a term for it and it's something they believe in very strongly but i'm like how do you, how so is so did they, I mean, exactly, if people are seeing the problem with this, how did James, John, all the other people come, you know? Someone even said to Jesus to when he was accusing him, is he not from Nazareth? Are his siblings not with us? Literally, you know, it's, it's a problem. It's a problem. But let's, let's leave this now. I think that's enough. I think the point I was trying to emphasize here is, Christus in Christ alone, amongst all the other feet um, and that we have, it's it's this is it. This is what your faith should look like. Saved by listen carefully, you are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone, and this is all ratified and proven by the scriptures alone. So the moment you go and deviate from any of these things, you've left that the solas, you've left the the um, the body of beliefs that classify you as Bible believing Christian. If you're a Christian, you are basically saying, "I submit to the authority of God's word." That's really what you're saying. I'm going to repeat it again. So this is what you should believe as a Christian: that you are saved by grace alone by grace alone not by anything else it's god's grace to you you didn't have to work for it you didn't have to do anything god chose to do it it's by grace alone through faith alone meaning you have to respond to that grace so you must respond to god's grace by faith god has opened his grace to you you receive it by faith in who not anyone else but jesus alone so faith in christ alone and to what end? 
for your happiness, that's a byproduct, but it's primarily for the glory of God alone. So not to, not for your glory. It's not anything God does, as funny as this to sound, is for God's glory. God is for God, and you you had better just align with that, you know. Because guess what? When you align with God's glory, you will benefit from it. Like God's glory is ultimately your happiness too. Like God wants you to be happy and satisfied in Him. In fact, there's a statement that Papa says a lot. He says, "God is most glorified in you." when you are most satisfied in him. Let me say that again. God is most glorified in you when you are most satisfied in him. So it's it's not mutually exclusive. Like your joy in God equals his glory in you. Such a powerful thought. All right. So this is why we must believe in Jesus alone. I'm going to wrap this teaching up like this. Let's go to Romans chapter 3. And this is what, I mean, this is what solidifies everything we're talking about. Why Jesus? Why Jesus alone? I'm going to just look at this together. So I'm going to give a quick commentary of Romans 3, verse 21, verse 25. All right, so look at this. It says, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. Let me stop there and explain this real quick. There is a righteousness of God that comes from not from obeying the law. The system they had was one where they thought their righteousness came from doing what was right. If God told them to do this, they did it, so they were righteous. So Paul says, no, there is a new kind of righteousness. Now, it's not new. like It's not like... It never existed before because it was witnessed by the law and the prophets. All right. It's not new, but it's a different kind of righteousness. So Paul says, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Meaning if you read the law, which is the books of Moses or the prophets, which is literally the whole Old Testament. There is evidence that this righteousness had always been God's method. Let me give you some examples. Genesis 15, 6. Who knows who's there? Abraham. Genesis. Okay. Yeah, say it, say it. Abraham believed God and God credited him as righteousness. Perfect. So God credited righteousness to Abraham. Why? What did Abraham do? He believed God. He believed God. And he was called what? Righteous. So in other words, it's not new. God has been doing this since. That's what Paul's argument is. God has been making people righteous, declaring them righteous when they believed in him, not by their works. Exactly. Genesis 6 two has something similar. So it says, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through what? You see, we're seeing the same five solas coming up again in another form. Through faith in Jesus Christ. It's through Jesus. Imagine how important this was to Paul because he was talking to Jews and Gentiles by extension too, but Jews were the main people he was reaching here. And he was like, hey, listen, God's way of righteousness is by his own imputation. You may work for it, but that doesn't guarantee you would have it. This is what he has done. He has given you righteousness free. How? How do you get that righteousness accounted to you? 
Well, Abraham is your example. He believed God and his plan and he was called righteous. So, so also you must believe God just because his plan is Jesus. So you must believe in his plan through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. Then he says, for there is no difference for all have sinned. This is why Jesus alone, all have sinned. Who else has not sinned? You see the problem. So if you believe that salvation can come from any other means, then it must be from someone that has not sinned. So let's check who has not sinned. Now, I'm not saying who has lived a very, very good life because I'm talking of sinless perfection. And the only person that has met that criterion is Jesus. Why? First of all, he wasn't born with that nature, which is why he had to be born of a virgin so that man's seed will not contaminate him. That's why he had to come as a virgin. But secondly, Jesus also lived righteously. Like, it's, it's one thing to be born and not have sin, like original sin. It's another thing to live a righteous life, knowing that Jesus was tempted at every point, just like we are. So that's powerful. He's saying there is no difference. We've all sinned. So there has to be a way out from someone who has not sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, being justified freely. I love this part. How are you justified? Freely. You're not paying any money. It's by faith, not by works, not by penance, not by indulgence, not by anything else. It's by faith. And then he says, by his grace, through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, whom God set forth as a propitiation. That's a big word that just means a, a, a sacrifice, an atoning sacrifice. So whom God set forth as an atoning sacrifice by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. Ah, man, this is, I, there's no time. I would, I would have loved to teach this more, but I've done it a good teaching on this on um, um, word dinner. So if you want to go back, check our archives, listen to our podcast. But this is so beautiful. God was trying to prove his righteousness because if God doesn't declare us righteous, God will not be righteous because he promised that he will. Do you get, do you get the story? So it says to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. Why did God overlook sins? Because he knew that he was going to forgive it. Such a powerful scripture. And they were going to round off. There's a lot more, but I want to round off with this text. If there's any text you leave today with on this topic, it is Acts 4.12. It's in a sermon, but it's so powerful. Acts chapter 4 from verse 12. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for saving us. Thank you because we couldn't do anything of ourselves. But you took your place. Obeyed the, the, the command of the Father. Did it willfully. Gave yourself for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Look at what he says. Acts 4.12. He says, nor is there salvation in any other. I, I don't think there's any clearer verse than this in the Bible on Solus Christus. 
There is no salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men. See the three levels. No other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. I think that is without, like, this is, his, he's just trying to make his point. There is no other way. And so what this means, guys, what does this mean for us? It means a lot. First of all, we have a lot to thank God for. Right? That we're in Christ. We believe in him. He loves us. He, he Like, this Jesus that is the only way, we are in him. That's beautiful. But then it should also break our hearts that there are people who still think it is by other means. Like someone will come and tell you, oh, don't we all serve the same God? You are going through God in a way. Me, I'm going through God. No, absolutely not. That is a lie from the devil. The only person that can save must be sinless, must be perfect, must be accepted by God. His sacrifice and offering must be received by God. But who will God's sacrifice be? Like, who will God receive? The Bible says, he that has a clean heart and pure hands. Who do we know is that? That's Jesus. He was tempted at every point without sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Hallelujah. And this is really a mic drop moment. But I want it to also be a moment of deep thought. That based on this thing I know, who needs to hear? And it's a process. Don't worry. It will help you. But let that be the attitude you have. Oh, I'm not just one other nice religious person. No. I am going to heaven. My citizenship is, is, is with God. I'm, I'm like, when I leave this world, I'm not, I don't need to worry about Jesus is for me. He lives in me, abides in me. When he appears, we will also appear with him. We read that earlier in glory. But that's not the testimony of people around us. So God should warm our hearts. Let's find those opportunities to share the message of Jesus. Hey, there is no other name under heaven by which men can be saved. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's let's just pray. And I want you to pray. I, I, I don't want to be the one to lead the prayer, but talk to God. You know where you're at. So thank God on one hand for you, the gift of salvation, that you are in that name. You are in that name. You have that name. And also on the other hand, thank him because he will help you. He will help you to be a faithful witness to him, the Christ. Son of the living God, the one who gave his life for all of us, the sovereign sacrifice, the submissive sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus. <sighs> we love you. We love you. And we appreciate you. Thank you for allowing us to ponder and think on this. And Lord, we will live to serve you all of our days. And we're equipped to say what is true about you every day of our lives. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Glory to God.
Hey there, so we've come to the end of this teaching session and we hope it was for you a teaching and an enlightening moment. We have so many other topics on our podcast that range from spiritual gifts to charisma to interpreting the Bible world and so many others. If you'd like to listen to any one of them, just look through our podcast catalog and find the topic that you'd love to learn. If you'd like to join us Sunday live on MixLR or on Zoom, all you need to do is go to our website, which is bit.ly forward slash bmglive4. That's the number four. Or you can look in the description and you'll find the link to the website there. We hope you have a blessed week and continue to grow and progress with joy in your faith.